Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're glad that you're present with us today. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. I know that the weather is not the most favorable outside, but we're glad that you're here nonetheless. And they are talking about inclement weather this afternoon, and hopefully and prayerfully that will miss us. You know, typically when the weather people say we're going to get blasted, they miss it. So hopefully that'll be the case today. Now, I, I, I know that I'm probably putting myself at odds with a lot of young folks today because you're probably thinking snow, ice, sleep, any and everything so we can miss school tomorrow. And uh, Jordan is praying. <laughs> you know, the Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. <laughs> So it might just be the case that we'll be bombarded with snow and ice. Before we get started, I do want to make mention of the fact that, as you know, we have been airing our radio program on three stations. We have been airing here in Memphis for the last several years. As a matter of fact, in the middle of January, we just marked our 250th broadcast. And all of that has been made possible by Rogers Stevens taking the time to edit the lessons and then to upload them and make, it, make sure that uh, the radio station receives those. Since we began airing our broadcast on AM 560 every Sunday morning, we picked up a station out of Little Rock which covers the whole state of Little Rock even into uh, the eastern portion of, uh, I guess, Memphis. And then we signed a contract with WSM out of Nashville, Tennessee. And as you know, WSM is uh, the station, well, typically they're known as the Grand Ole Opry Station. And that, that station goes into several states. And it's amazing the feedback that we get from that program. And I hear comments from people uh, from, that, from that broadcast itself frequently or regularly. Today, we began airing our program in six new markets. And I have written an article for the bulletin that uh, hopefully will run this week giving you the statistics or the population in these various cities that we're going to be airing. But let me just very quickly say that uh, we are going to be airing our our program, uh, not just on Sundays, but also through the week in these cities, uh, in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Richmond, Virginia, Huntsville, Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, Omaha, Nebraska, and Tupelo, Mississippi. I have not run the numbers, but it would be in the millions, potentially, that we have the opportunity to come in contact with with the gospel as a result of this program. Lynn Stevens has graciously worked in, in securing these broadcast times and I appreciate so much her efforts and she has really, she's done everything getting all of this together. She has also been in contact with a program or with a station out of New Orleans 
which is the home station for the saints. And that station goes into 39 states as well as uh, into Mexico, Canada, uh, and uh, they, have, uh, they have expressed interest in airing our program as well. But uh, I want to express appreciation to the elders for making this possible and for those of you that give on a weekly basis. You know, Jesus instructed us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in, in our own way, we're doing our best to take the gospel to this country. And so I, I appreciate so much uh, they're making this happen. And I appreciate your support. And hopefully and prayerfully, much, much good will come forth from our program uh, in the coming years. Today I want us to look at Matthew, the 11th chapter, the passage that Jordan read a moment ago. I want us to think about the theme, Jesus says come. The Lord said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As we think about these words that were spoken by Jesus centuries ago, they remain, in my mind, very valid, applicable to us. Sometimes there seems to be a distance between modern humanity and Scripture. And yet for those of us that believe and appreciate what the Bible has to say, there is no distance or time lapse. But we understand that these words are as fresh today as they were when spoken by Jesus. In these verses, Jesus simply says, come to me. I want us to think for a minute or two about that theme, and I want to begin by calling attention to the fact that there is a golden invitation. And Jesus summed it up in these words, come unto me. As we think about this point, let me call attention, first of all, to the uniqueness of this invitation. In my mind, what makes it so unique is because the Son of God is the one who extended it. I remember years ago when I was in college, I had a professor, and he was head of the department. And I would go in his office, and one of the things that he had in his office area was an invitation to the inauguration of President Ronald Reagan. For a college student, that was something. Now, that invitation may or may not have lost its luster through the years. But in my mind at that point in time, to have received an invitation to be a part of such a momentous occasion, boy, that was something. Let me tell you what, 
There is not an invitation on earth that can come close to rifling this invitation. What makes it so special and so unique is the fact that Jesus is the one that gave it. I mean, there are a lot of invitations that go forth on a regular basis all across our globe. But to receive an invitation from the very Son of God, let me tell you what, that is special. What, are the, what I think makes it so special in light of the fact that Jesus is the one that extended it is the fact that it was given by somebody who genuinely and supremely loves us. When Jesus gave this invitation, undergirding these words were his divine love. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. Then a man laid down his life for his friends in John 15, verse 13. We talk about the fact that Jesus loves us and then add to that the idea that he laid down his life for us. He did it because he loved us. He loves us today. He's interested in our welfare. He wants us to become a part of his body. There are numerous passages of scripture that talk about the sacrificial death of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, Him who knew no sin, he became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Peter would tell us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. Jesus gave his life for me. And so that makes this invitation very unique. And then you add to that the universal nature of this invitation. Listen again to what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who labor. The Lord has invited all, A-L-L. He has invited all to come to him. There's a great passage of scripture found in the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And so in looking at that passage of scripture, it is as if John is closing what we call the canon of scripture by, by pleading with people to come to Christ. He said, the spirit and the bride say come. Let him who hears say come. Let him who is thirsty come. And then he said, whoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Understand that Jesus is interested in you. You remember in John 3, 16, the golden verse of the Bible, Jesus said, for God so loved the world. That's all. That's inclusive. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
in light of this golden invitation, I want to ask you a question. Will you come to Jesus? You know, if Jesus were here upon this earth and you had the opportunity to stand in his presence, I suspect that he could look or he would look into your eyes. And in looking into your eyes, he would say to you, come. Come to me. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27 that Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. Pilate asked the Jews of his day, what then will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? That question is relevant. What are you going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Will you come to him? And then secondly, I would ask the question, when will you come to Jesus? If you have never come to Jesus, do you have plans to come to him? What about those plans? Are those plans to come to him soon or far away? There are a lot of folks that have good intentions. They have every intention of coming to Christ. They want to do it on their terms, in their time frame. I understand that. What you have to understand, though, is time may run out. If time were to run out, the bottom line is you've got a problem. You see, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do you remember when the apostle Paul stood before Felix? He reasoned with him about righteousness and temperance and the judgment to come. And Felix said, go your way. When I have a more convenient season, I'll come to you or I'll call for you. I think also of Agrippa. Agrippa had the opportunity to stand before the apostle Paul. And Paul asked him very, very plainly, do you believe the prophets? And then he said, I know that you believe the prophets. Agrippa said, you almost make me a Christian. A lot of folks have plans to follow the Lord. Sometimes those plans never come to fruition. That's why there is an emphasis on coming to Jesus today. So I ask you again, Will you come to Jesus? And then secondly, I ask the question, when will you come to Jesus? When are you planning on letting him become a part of your life? Now having said that, let's look in the second place. Let's look at the gracious liberation. What I want you to, what I want you to understand is there is a gracious invitation summed up in these words, you will find rest for your souls. I want to begin by talking about the importance of learning about Jesus. 
If you look at what Jesus says, he talks about a yoke. I want us to think for a minute or two about the nature of his yoke. Listen to what he said in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. A yoke is by definition a bar that is used as a frame to pull or support something heavy. In ancient times, we're all familiar with yoke being attached to cattle or oxen. But I've seen pictures of a wooden bar or wooden frame that would rest upon someone's shoulders. And that wooden bar or yoke would enable a person to carry a heavy load or burden. And it would distribute the weight equally, so to speak. For example, somebody might have two water pots, one on each side. That yoke would enable the person to carry that heavy load. In ancient times, my understanding is that the Jewish rabbis or master rabbis, they would have their interpretation of the Torah. It was called his yoke. Jesus, of course, is the master teacher. And so in this context, what the Lord is saying is, I want you to learn about me and become one of my disciples. Now, I would also grant that the idea of a yoke carries with it the idea of servitude or service. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I said a moment ago that Jesus is the master teacher. Christianity is a religion that calls upon people to become a disciple, a learner. We have to learn about Christ. We have to learn about his nature, his ways, his will. The Lord said in John chapter 6, verse 44, It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. So here's the idea of somebody hearing and learning, and then they become a follower of the Lord. A good example of this would be found in Acts chapter 8 when Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to those people. The Bible says that he preached to those people about the kingdom of God, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and what happened. Both men and women were baptized. They learned about the Lord. Another example in the same chapter would be the eunuch that came into contact with Philip as he is making his way back home to Ethiopia. He had been to Jerusalem to worship. He is reading from the text, Isaiah chapter 53, about the suffering servant. When Philip came to him, he asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch said, how can I except someone guide me? 
Now the Bible tells us that beginning at that same scripture, he preached to him Jesus. The eunuch had the opportunity to hear about the suffering servant, the Messiah, that he had indeed come to earth, lived and died for the sins of the human family. The eunuch was a proselyte to the Jewish religion. No doubt Philip would have told him that that old way of doing things, religiously speaking, had been nailed to the cross based on Colossians 2.14. And so the idea is that Jesus Christ, he is the Lamb of God that has given his life for the sins of the world. So when they came to certain water, the eunuch asked the question, what hinders me from being baptized? He wanted to become a follower of Jesus, the Son of God. He wanted to become one of his children. The only way to do that, obey the gospel. Become a child of the living God. So first of all, we have to learn about Jesus. And then we have to look to Jesus. I want to talk for just a minute about the need for his yoke. Why would Jesus say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me? Let me begin by saying that when you begin to look at the scriptures, you have to appreciate the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was fully man and fully God. For example, in Colossians chapter 2 at verse 9, Paul said, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus was God in the flesh. That's what John said in John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. The Hebrew writer said that it behooved him to be made in all things like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. As God and man, Jesus is fully qualified in every respect to help me with my redemption. Jesus Christ can sympathize and empathize with me he can assist me. He understands every circumstance that I face in life. Why is that? Because he was God in the flesh. He came to earth. He lived and died among his own creation. The Hebrew writer tells us in chapter 4, verse 15, We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So here's the question. Why do we need the yoke of Christ today? Now think for a minute about the definition of a yoke. Being used to pull or support something heavy. The idea being that a yoke would enable a heavy burden to be made more bearable. By taking the yoke of Jesus upon us, 
There is the alleviation of the burdens that we have in this life, beginning with this whole idea of sin. You see, we're unable on our own to remedy this problem that we call sin. And yet Jesus, because he laid down his life for us and shed his blood, has made redemption possible for every person. Listen to what he says in Matthew 28, or rather verse, verse 28, chapter 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Listen to the promise. I will give you rest. Look at verse 29. You will find rest for your souls. I think about the rest that is afforded us by way of redemption. To know that my sins are forgiven. That we have been redeemed, not with corruptible things, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. I think about the words of Paul in Ephesians 1, 7, when he said, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. No wonder Paul said, To the praise of the glory of his grace. To know that my sins can be forgiven. That the Lord can help me with this burden called sin. And you need to understand that sin is a problem common to all people. Sin is defined as the transgression of the law according to 1 John chapter 3 verse 4. As members of the human family, we have a problem called sin. Paul said there's none righteous, no, not one. He went on to say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's the remedy for sin? The blood of Jesus. And so by taking Jesus into our lives, by obeying his will, we have help with this problem called sin. And then also, I think about how Jesus can alleviate the shame of sin. Sometimes we have difficulty making a distinction between the sin and the sinner. God has made that distinction. God loves the sinner, but he does not love the sin. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God is interested in you as a human being. When I mean, we talk about living in a world of some seven billion people, and sometimes we get lost in that maze of people and we feel as if we're just a number. Well, let me tell you what, in the eyes of God, you're not just a number. You are a human being and more importantly, you have an eternal soul. That soul will live forever. And I understand that Jesus has the ability to help me with this problem, this burden called sin. But he can also alleviate this problem that we have because of sin called shame. Shame comes in the, form, in the form of guilt. There are a lot of folks in our world today because of what they have done and where they have been in life are weighed down. Weighed down by guilt. They go to bed at night and they're guilty. They wake up in the morning and they're guilty. They go to bed again the next night with guilt, they wake up the next morning and they're guilty. 
And some try to drink it away. Some try to use other forms of drugs to somehow dissipate this sense of guilt. But it remains. The only remedy for shame is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He can help you with that burden. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen to him. All things, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's something, there's something special about a child being born into this world. That beautiful baby, pure and innocent, his or, whole, his or her whole life before them. But you know what, as a child of God, you can't go back and be physically born again. But you can be born again spiritually. The Bible says that when you obey the gospel, when you experience the new birth, Jesus talked about that in John chapter 3. He said, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When you are born again, you have that clean start, that fresh start. Your sins are in the past. The shame associated with sin, it's behind you. And then there's a third thing I want to share with you very quickly about the yoke of Jesus and how it can help us with the burdens of this life. I would submit to you today that he is the answer to the struggles that we have in this life. In no way would I ever minimize the struggles that we face in this life. I am acutely aware that we face on a daily basis a varying form, in varying forms, burdens. There are struggles. First, there is the struggle of temptation. We're tempted, aren't we? Every day. And yet the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, at verse 18, in that he himself hath been tempted, speaking of Jesus. He is able to aid those who are tempted. Did you know that the Lord can assist you, he can help you with your temptations? That's why it's so important to take upon you the yoke of Jesus. To yoke yourself to him. So that he can help you with that burden of temptation. Why? Because the devil is walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil's intent on destroying your eternal soul. You are in a battle. That battle involves life and death. Not just physical life and death, but spiritual life and death. So you need the Lord's help. And then I would submit unto you that he can assist you with your trials. Listen to what the writer said in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Again. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But one who has been tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Can Jesus, can he sympathize with what I'm going through in this life? Yes he can. Can he empathize with me? Does he understand you better believe he understands. The God we serve 
the Lord we serve is not out of touch. You ever talk to somebody and you talk about some of the things that are going on in contemporary society and your conclusion is they're just out of touch? I mean, they don't really understand. They don't get it. Let me tell you what, that's not the case when it comes to our Lord. He gets it. He understands. He is in touch with you. He can sympathize with you. He can empathize with you. He genuinely cares about you. I mean, think about what Peter said, casting all your care on him. For he cares for you. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You live long enough in this world, you're going to see trouble. And then thirdly, he'll help you with your tears. Did you know Jesus shed tears while upon this earth? The Bible says in John chapter 11, as Jesus as Jesus offered comfort to Mary and Martha, he wept. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the writer of Hebrews tells us, who in the days of his flesh offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and he was heard. When's the last time you shed a tear? When you shed tears, did you feel like those around you, did you feel like they didn't understand? Did you feel like you were all alone? Jesus understands because he's been there and he can help you. That's why he would say, in Matthew chapter 11, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, the promise being, I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest for your weary soul. I want to close by saying, I know there are a lot of people in our world today and it may be the case that you're here today and you're numbered among those that I'm thinking about. There are folks in this world who are overwhelmed by life. It may be that you're here today and you have been absolutely broken by a life of sin. I want you to know there's a way out. The way out is the Lord. I want you to know that he is the only way out of sin. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Maybe you're here today and you've been trying to shoulder the burdens of life all alone. Could I just candidly say to you, you need help. You need help with the problem of sin. You need help with the problem of shame. And you need help with the problem that could be summed up in the struggles of life.
If that's you today, here's what you need to do. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Recognize that he is the son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others. Be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. In doing so, you'll enjoy the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2, 38. And if you'll live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life. You need to understand, though, that by taking the Lord's yoke upon you, He'll be with you every step of the way. He'll get you home. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Why not come home, come home today? You know, I can't, I can't make you come home. But I can pray for you to come home. And I can plead with you to come home. If you're unfaithful today, you know the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The door's wide open. And Jesus is saying today, come to me as we stand and sing.